Welcome to Xin Chao, aka Hello in Vietnamese. This podcast is a collective space where we come together to talk about all things lifestyle, career, and share our diverse perspectives. I'm Jeanette. And I'm Chelsea. Today, let's talk, am I Asian enough? So I know that many of you guys out there might possibly identify with growing up as an Asian American. There's always the question of, am I too American or am I not Asian enough? So I know even for me growing up, my teachers thought I had a disciplinary issue and they went to find out that I actually didn't even understand English until I was like six. That so is- this is because my grandma raised me and I just didn't understand the look of English. And I would just look down and tie my shoes and stuff like that. And they literally thought I just wasn't listening to the teacher, but super confusing. What about you, Jeanette? Yeah. So my mom raised me and my mom doesn't speak English very well. So I grew up speaking strictly Vietnamese. And I remember going into kindergarten and not understanding anything, but I still passed kindergarten. So I went into first grade and my first year of first grade, I didn't know how to speak English. So I couldn't read. I didn't understand when people would call my name because at home, they called me by my middle name, which is Ian, which is a Vietnamese name. So they never called me anything other than that. So when I went to school, my teachers and my classmates would call me Jeanette because that's my first name. And I had no idea who that was. And I remember everyone thought I had a hearing disability because I wouldn't respond to anything. Uh, So I actually ended up repeating first grade, but within that summer, I was able to learn English and I was able to come back my second year of first grade and just pick up everything really quickly. That's so crazy. I, how did you learn English that fast? Cause that's only a summer. I mean, I learned through watching cartoons. So I learned through my parents bought me these computer games and they're for like kids to learn how to spell and read and all that. So I just played computer games all summer. And based on that, I was able to pick up English. Oh, that's so interesting. I definitely, my parents weren't that thoughtful about it. They just put me in front of a TV and you're like, I'll watch this. And then you'll eventually- I feel like that would have worked too. Cause I think when you're younger, you're able to pick up languages way faster. Oh yeah. I, I just, my parents weren't around. So I had to learn that way, but my grandma only didn't speak any English. So that was super hard because when I eventually started, you know, staying with my parents, my mom had to just reintegrate me into all this American- culture and language but what she didn't was food so we definitely ate a lot of Asian food growing up and I just remember being in school and bringing my little Asian lunches and then people just asking oh my gosh what is that that smells weird that looks weird that's funny and I didn't feel as normal because of it I guess or I don't know how your experience was did you go to a predominantly white school or this was the weird thing so my school was predominantly white and then Asian but it was like south I guess we are Southeast Asian, right? But it was more so Chinese and Indian people. Okay. But for some reason, they didn't, I don't know, they didn't really receive us bringing different foods to school that well because everyone who was of a different race at school had the normal, you know, Oscar Mayer sandwich or whatever. Okay, that's interesting. So I grew up in a predominantly white state. So I grew up in Michigan. So my school was predominantly white. I was the only Asian person that was not adopted. So I have one other kid in my class that was Asian, but he was adopted. So he was very Americanized. So I felt like I was the only Asian kid that had Asian parents and Asian upbringing and speaking another language, all of that. So, but surprisingly enough, I remember when I was younger, I went to school and I brought a thermos with me. And that day my mom made me stir fried ramen. 
And the kids that I was sitting with at lunch, they were looking at what I was eating and it smelled really good to them. So they were like, what is that? And I told them, oh, like fried ramen. And they all asked for a piece. So I shared it with them and they loved it so much that they all brought thermoses the next day and asked if my mom could make the same thing for them to eat for lunch the next day. So I came home to my mom, she was so excited. She whipped up a bunch of stir fried ramen and I brought it to class the next day and everyone sat there and ate the stir fried ramen with me. And we were doing that like once a month. So that was really fun to do with my classmates. And it, I know it made my mom very excited. So it was really nice to feel. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And I, I think after that experience, I wasn't as insecure about what I was bringing to lunch. <laughs> no, I, I love that because it's, as if you're able to not only embrace your own culture, but you're able to share a little bit of something too, that, you know, where you didn't have to have the same language to enjoy, mm-hmm. which is food. And so for me, I don't know, for, it was a bit different for me because I would just hide my food or throw it away. And then I would want to take some lunch money and go buy, you know, a pizza or something just to simulate. But now looking back on that, I could have slapped myself for all the food that I threw away, but it was hard because when you're younger, you don't really know the difference. So when somebody makes fun of you, you take it to heart and it sits with you forever. So it took me a long time until I finally realized that it was okay to be different in that way. I think it was until high school Mm -hmm. that I really started, I guess everyone else was bringing different things to lunch more. And that's when it became more of the social norm. But overall, you know, I know it's very different because you grew up in the North and I grew up in the South, but Mm -hmm. can you think of other, I guess, shared experiences when you were younger, were you bullied in any way in school because of being Asian or anything like that? I don't think I was bullied in school specifically for being Asian. I think I was bullied a little bit, but it was just more of whatever my parents didn't do. So for an example, I got bullied because my parents didn't pay for cable. And like all these kids were talking about Disney channel and what they watched on TV. And I couldn't participate because I didn't have cables. I didn't have Disney channel and all that. So they'd be like, oh, why do you not have cable? Like that's weird. Um, So more for that, but never for being Asian. What about you? Uh, for me, I don't think I was ever really bullied, but just like you, my parents didn't let me do a lot of stuff. So, and this is really funny for people who don't know a lot of the Asian population, they actually believe in fortune tellers. So my mom, actually, we have our own household fortune teller that we go to every year. So the fortune teller basically told her that I could not drive before I was 18. So God forbid I would ever drive. So I would just bum rides off my friends, have my parents take me. That was super embarrassing. And another thing was they would never let me sleep over or really go out. So I didn't really start quote unquote partying or do anything like that until maybe I was 16 or 17. By that time, it was way later. And then that led to the whole cage bird syndrome in college where I just went out too much. So I think it's more so I didn't get bullied because of being Asian, but there were a couple of things that I guess being strict Asian parents or that tiger parenting led me to feel either kind of resentful or it held me back in certain ways. I think, I don't know if that's kind of what you experienced, but for me that looking back on it, if I had kids, I don't know if I would do any of that necessarily, but I understand that that's just, you know, our parents connecting with their roots back in their motherland and being scared of all the trauma they've had. 
Yeah, I think a similar thing I experienced would probably be my parents would never let me go to sleepovers. They were like, you can have friends over, they can sleep over here, but you're not going anywhere. What was their reasoning though? Like, did they think something bad would happen to you or? They, I think just didn't want me to go sleep at someone else's house and they don't know what I'd be up to. So I think they were thinking if I go and sleep at someone else's house, then I would be out doing God knows what at whatever hour because they're not there to make sure that I'm in bed. Uh, Yeah, be the hovercraft parent. But you know what's weird about that thought process is it's like, like my parents, right? They would let me go out during waking hours. But honestly, you could be doing bad stuff at waking hours too. Like you could be doing something really bad at 7 p.m. Definitely. I don't drugs, drinking, all that stuff, but and they would always, my dad especially would always be like, Well, it's because you're a girl. If you were a boy, I don't care what you were doing or where you're out or anything like that. I wouldn't say anything to you. And I always thought that was a very unfair comment for him to make. Oh, I know. And I know as a kid, when your parents tell you not to do something, you want to do it more. And it's even worse when they don't give you a reason as to why they're not letting you do it. So that really makes you want to just push their buttons. But I mean, it also, when we get older, it's about finding the balance between listening to our parents and actually doing what we want to do. Right. So that's really finding the balance between that Asian side and the American side. So are there any things that you're currently doing right now to connect with the culture in any way or finding that balance that we're talking about? Yeah. So back in 2017, I moved out of my parents' house and I actually moved down to Houston. So I remember being on my own for the very first time. And at home, I definitely took this for granted, but my parents would make homemade Vietnamese food all the time growing up. And I never thought anything of it because it was something that was just always there. But when I moved away, I realized that I no longer have access to the foods that I grew up eating and I started becoming homesick and I started craving those foods. So that's when I decided to teach myself how to make tit kaw, which is a Vietnamese dish that has pork belly and it's braised in coconut soda and it's just very good, but it takes a while to cook and you eat it with rice. So I taught myself how to make that dish once I left. And I started to just whatever dish I was craving, I would look it up the recipe online or call my dad and figure out how to make it. And then I would try and make it myself just to feel a little bit more connected to home. And I think that helped me become more connected to my Asian roots. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think growing up, you don't really think about how meaningful that is that your parents got out of their way to make a dinner or whatever for you. But For those of you who don't know, in Asian American culture, just Asian culture in general, food is so important. It's a connective point for the whole family. And it's something that since we don't use verbal affirmation a lot, when you cook for others, that's really a way to say, I love you and to take care of each other. So I, I really identify with that because again, when I was younger, I kind of, I don't know if I was ashamed or just tired of eating Vietnamese food all the time, right? Part of it was being ashamed and not wanting other people to know that, you know, I eat food with fish sauce in it, which doesn't smell the best or whatever that may be. But then as I got older, I find that all I crave is just the food that my mom used to make at home. So just like you, I'll do a quick Google search. And I find that by each time I'm making the specific dish or that traditional dish, I'm kind of in a way paying respect to my mother's knowledge or our cultural traditions. And then my grandma's knowledge, because 
might be the same recipe passed down, you know, throughout the generation. So I think that's really important in general is knowing how to source your food and cook it from wherever it came from that you came from. Yeah. Uh, another, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Sorry. that explanation a lot because I think you're right. A lot of times Vietnamese dishes, when we learn from our parents, it's never a recipe that we follow. It's always what these are the ingredients. So we're going to go out, we're going to find the best of these ingredients. Then we're going to bring them home and we're going to start putting things together and you're going to measure it from the heart. And that's how you cook the dish. It's never like broken down in recipe wise. Oh yeah. That's something funny too. I always have people asking for recipes and it's funny because for us, we don't cook with recipes. You, yeah. you cook according to your taste, which just means you'll put a little bit of salt or sugar in it, taste it again. And then if that's your liking, then that's it. Yeah. And writing a recipe down is pretty hard to transfer to somebody else. Exactly. And if you guys don't know this, like Chelsea is an amazing cook and I really miss going over to your house every week and just eating your food. Like that's something that she's really good at. And I love that about you. Yeah. And that's the thing too. When I was younger, I didn't think that much about having other Vietnamese friends, but now I get so excited when I make a connection with somebody else Vietnamese. I met Jeanette back when we were both working at WeWork and I was so excited to have this little Vietnamese sister that I could feed food to. So she'd come over about once a week and then I'd be able to make those traditional dishes. So definitely if you guys can, I would implore you to go out there and cook traditional dishes. Another thing is, I don't know, for me growing up, social norms was a little bit different and something that my parents had to make me just, they had to drill it into me. Like for example, on mother's day, you have to text five or six, five or seven different people that aren't even your aunt happy mother's day. And I'd be like, why do I have to do this? But my mom would always say that in our culture, you have to respect your elders. So if it was a specific holiday or when you're, even when you're entering a house, you always have to do specific things according to tradition. Like you will always say hi to the oldest person first and then go down to the youngest person, et cetera. So did you have those experiences too? Or how did you decide what you would adhere to and then what you wouldn't do? Yeah, so I think the most similar thing I have to that, it's not as extensive as yours. So I would, growing up, my parents would take me to like an aunt or an uncle's house for a get together. So Asian people have a lot of gatherings for holidays and sometimes just on the weekend with our family and friends. So whenever I go to one of those gatherings, my parents would always take me to all of the elders and make me greet them with like a little bow. And then I have to greet all of them before I can go sit down and play or eat or do whatever there. So that was something that I remember growing up doing. Um, These days, I don't think I do as much of that stuff if there's any sort of Asian social norms I think it would just be like greeting them being making sure I say hi um, whenever I enter someone's house and making sure I greet all the elder people before I go off and do my own thing so a little bit similar but less strict yeah no I just find that a lot of the traditional I guess actions don't really bring me as much value I should really, though, look more into that to see why they do it and why it's been such a longstanding action, you know, but in terms of that, something that I think I still do and adhere to and from time to time is from the religion aspect. So in Vietnam, a lot of the population is either Catholic or Buddhist. So for me, I still do some of the Buddhist traditions, which is on New Year's, you'll have to, you know bring in good energy for the year, clean out the house, 
make sure you're in tip top shape, go to the temple, bring flowers, do that whole spread. So what about you? I know that your parents are half Catholic and half Buddhist. Yeah. So for Chinese New Year, I think that's when I see more of my mom's Buddhist traditions come in because the rest of the year, it's more of whatever my dad does for Catholicism because I was raised Catholic. And around New Year's, I remember one year my parents, it was really cold and they made me get up and go with them outside of the house. We would leave the house on the side door, go around the block and then like come back in through the front door because apparently that brings good fortune of some sort. I never looked it up, but I probably should because I think the older I get, the more curious I am about all of these different traditions that my parents practice and want to pass down to me. Yeah, that's funny because I know that my mom, she'll do kind of an energy check the night before New Year's. She'll call me and she'll say, hey, you know, if you plan on drinking tonight, if you're hungover or anything at all, even if you look ugly tomorrow, don't come home to my parents' home. And this is because traditionally they want you to be this beautiful smiling face with great energy when you walk through the door. And God forbid, if you aren't like that, then don't even come home. So it's these little nuances that over time, I think I do them because I know that it brings my parents joy. Whether I really find them valuable or know the meaning, I don't really know. I just do it to appease my parents. So I'm sure you guys out there all have your own thing, but at the end of the day, it's up to us to choose what we want to do. Yeah. And I think the older we get, the more we care about our parents' feelings and what they want. And if it's something simple and easy and you can just easily do it to make them happy, then why not? Yeah. I'm not even going to argue anymore at that point. It's like, if you want your fridge to look like a hoarder's fridge with 10,000 different things, that is fine. You know, I just take it as, okay, I get it. You came from a war. You're always hungry. There might be an apocalypse tomorrow. There might be zombies. So I'll like come home. My mom's house looks like a hoarder's house. And the old me would have, you know, said something, but now I just think, okay. That is so funny because I think it's not even limited to Asian parents. I think that generation as a whole, all hoard stuff. And it's anything from little like salt packets or ketchup packets from the restaurant to like, I still do that. (laughs) Yeah. To like the plastic bags that you get from grocery store. Like we all have it tough underneath the kitchen sink or like in the pantry somewhere. Oh my gosh. I do that. I save all my little packets and then all the little grocery bags. I still hold on to, cause you just never know. <laughs> that is so funny. I think because I see my parents just bring home all this stuff and we never use it. And it's so cluttered. I try to be as minimalistic as I can with the stuff that I own. And I was just going to ask you if you think that because our parents hoard a lot of stuff, if our generation will do less of that, but it seems like you adapted some of it. And that's another way that you're connecting to your roots. (laughs) Not in a good way. I mean, that's like the two things I do, right? Do I saran wrap all my handles like my parents do? No, but I remember listening to, I think it was a podcast or an episode from David Chang, where he was saying that his mom came home from having um, chemo because she was battling cancer and he took it upon himself to show her love by clearing out her fridge and she came home and she was so pissed off that he cleaned out her fridge and I had something similar happen my mom and since then I just say you know what we're at this age where I don't know how much time we have left with them but I'm just going to let them do their thing and hopefully connect with them that way and I really don't want (laughs) to be yelled at every time I come home because they still do that yeah for me 
yeah, for me, whenever I come home, I would always have to double check the expiration date because I never know what yeah, everything's old and what <laughs> yes, it'd be from like 2012. And I'm like, that's 10 years ago. We need to get rid of this. Oh, I remember I came home recently. I was eating like a chip or something and it tasted like the Sahara desert. And I looked at my mom and I said, mom, how old is this? And she goes, oh, uh, I don't know. She goes, you never know when you might need chips. I look at it. It was like from two years ago. Oh, like, no. this is not okay. I might get food poisoning by going home, but yeah. I actually, you're right. I will eat things past their expiration date too, though. Oh. I, you know what else I oh, noticed about no, you? Bad. I came over and the Ziploc bags, do you wash them and you save them? Yes, I hoard those. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I hoard those too. <laughs> I definitely hoard those. I even, I still hoard them now because I use them to like help me put away my little cat's like pooper scooper. So I, I replaced the bags. So actually, you guys, I'm coming to learn that I probably did, you know, take on some small, slightly small, you know, hoarding <laughs> things. My place is very minimalistic and clean. No, Jeanette, can I really this? clean, but there are little touches here and there that show she's Asian. And then I think you use, the, and then I think you use your uh, dishwasher as a drying rack, right? Yes. So Jeanette's just airing out all my Asian laundry. <laughs> You seem to know this more than I do. Um, no, it yes, just I reminded do. me all the little things I noticed because I used to use my dishwasher as a drying rack too, but Mark is white. So he's like, why don't we use the dishwasher to wash our dishes? And I, because. Tried, I tried it one time and I haven't gone back. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> no, it's like my mom always says, like, your hands clean better than a dishwasher. So that's why I do that. But that's so funny. Uh, I, get, I mean, I, it seems like we still appreciate our culture a lot. You know, with that, I know that again, as we become older and more removed from the older generations, what are you doing to keep up that appreciation and to keep up with the traditions and to keep the culture alive? Yeah, I think for me, so what I noticed since I moved away was I don't speak Vietnamese every day with my parents like I used to when I lived there. So one of the things that's really important to me is making sure that I still keep my Vietnamese language. I think I always have this fear that if I don't speak it a lot, then I will lose my ability to speak it. So I always try to use Vietnamese whenever I'm at a Vietnamese restaurant or I'm somewhere where it's predominantly Vietnamese, I'll try to speak Vietnamese with the servers or people who are behind the counter just to make sure I keep my Vietnamese fresh. And then I make sure to call my parents weekly. So I'm speaking Vietnamese with them and that <laughs> way I'm not losing that part of myself. I love that. I know that when I went to go stay with your parents in Detroit, your dad was just popping in the room every morning, just, you know, wishing me <laughs> a good morning and trying to bring fruit or food in. And I would definitely try to speak to him in Vietnamese, but I think that's a little bit hard too, because everyone we're around, they don't speak as much Vietnamese. So again, for those of you who don't know, a lot of people our age and our generation actually don't speak Vietnamese anymore. And I don't know what it is about the Vietnamese people who came over, but we simulated far too well. Yeah. So Chinese people, Japanese people seem seemingly so did a better job at retaining their culture. For us, it doesn't seem to be that way. Again, I don't know if it's because we came over in the 70s, but I know that I try to speak Vietnamese, but even then, a lot of people don't know I'm Vietnamese. So I always get the comment, you know, you don't look 100% Vietnamese or et cetera. And I, for the most part, didn't use it as much because of that. Like, even when I was in school, um, I... I think there was like one or two other Vietnamese people at school, 
but I didn't get to hang out with the Asian kids. I didn't have that many Asian friends to speak Vietnamese to because they didn't want to hang out with me because I said my eyes were too big. So I think (laughs) that us, you know, trying to speak Vietnamese more to each other and when we can is super important. Yeah, I didn't have a Vietnamese kid to hang out with until high school. (laughs) And I made my first Vietnamese friend in high school and she's still friends with me today. So um, I think that was the first time where I met someone that was like me and I was so excited to be friends with her. I think another way that I try to keep the culture alive is by learning how to cook Vietnamese dishes. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that's super important to me these days. Um, It definitely makes me feel more connected as I pick up all these different dishes and know how to make them. Another thing is I'm really close to my cousins and we all talk about how we should keep our family gatherings alive as we get older. So we're always talking about who's going to be that first cousin to host the first family get together from our generation. And that's something that we want to keep doing and making sure that we stay connected to our culture in that way. Yeah, that's for me. I love talking to my cousins, but it seems like everyone's so busy, you know? So I know that once our parents pass, we'll definitely have to pick up the torch and make sure that we still have those family gatherings or just even celebrate Lunar New Year together, which I think is like the one thing that you have to keep up with. I don't know about if your family does that, but for me, I just look forward to it so much every year. And I know that hopefully moving forward, we'll be able to visit Vietnam and stuff too, because I really need to know more about my family's history. So are you familiar with yours? So I grew up going to Vietnam every single year up until I want to say fourth grade. But the last time that I visited Vietnam was back in 2010. So it's been a while and I am looking forward to coming back. So I definitely want to visit Vietnam and just to see my family that still lives there and to explore different areas of Vietnam because every single region has a different history and a different culture. So it'd be cool to kind of see all the different cultures in Vietnam and just eat all the different foods and kind of learn more about the different regions. Cause I think that's something that I would value more now than when I did as a child. Cause I think when I was younger and I went to Vietnam, I wanted to just go back to America. Cause I was like, well, there's no Taco Bell. There's no Starbucks back then. I had no, it's funny. I had no interest whatsoever. I was younger. And then now I'm watching like all these food shows, trying to figure out what's going on. I was supposed to go in 2020, mm-hmm. but then COVID happened, but we should definitely try to plan something with that. Cause again, you guys, I think that the only way you learn more about yourself is through your past obviously through, you know, your traditions and parents and things like that, but also like, what are you currently doing to keep those traditions alive? And then to pay respect to where you came from. Yeah. I think it's super important to really understand your roots and not forgetting where you came from, especially your parents who immigrated here and it's able to build a life for you here. I think that's super important to just understand and see where our parents came from. Well, yeah, everyone came here to give us options and a better life. And I can definitely say you and I are pretty happy now <laughs> for the most part. And it gives us- they hopped on that boat. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, our parents definitely came on a boat, by the way, this is not a joke. This yeah. is true. So uh, we'll go into that on another episode, but Basically, to close out the conversation, we would love to add more topics around relationships, business, Asian Americans, and some wildcard topics here and there. 
So please let us know what you would like to hear. And if you have any experiences around how you're keeping your culture alive or finding the balance between being Asian American and then integrating into being American is by dropping us a DM on our Instagram or if you love our content, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Chat soon, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thank you.